you know, to get back to the original mind, you know, when you're really centered, really in Zazen, you have to be able to release the mind, meaning what we think is the mind, our idea of it, that's the one we got to let go of. We think mind is brain. We think mind, we think up here. No, you got to get rid of that. And he says, once you get rid of that, then you become open. Your idea of mind is what's getting in the way of everything. Get rid of that. And once you get rid of that, now you're really connected. Now you're, now you're really in business. Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome back to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. Today, we have episode 78 with the fifth return of Rolando Garcia III. Adamant listeners to the podcast know Rolando really well, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining how dope he is, but he's pretty dope. He's a Sifu in Jeet Kune Do. He does Filipino martial arts. He is studying Zen Buddhism and meditation, and... He's just really insightful as a trainer, as an instructor, and just as a poetic individual. And we're just super excited to always have him back. And every time he reaches out to us with an idea, we get him in the calendar, we schedule the podcast, and we aim to give you all a good listen. So today's no different. It's called Zen and HRV. Uh, We talk about Zen practices and philosophies with some antidotes sprinkled in throughout the podcast and how that relates to heart rate variability. This is a big thing, up and coming thing. It's been around for a while, but we're just understanding more about it now and its effects on physical health, meditation, breath work, and especially mental health. So this episode's chock full of great information. So enjoy. And here's Rolando. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Welcome back to the Rolando and Steve show. Apparently our most repeat guest ever right here, right now, (laughs) technically fourth time solo would be today and then if we count the stigma that we did on uh, masculinity this would be your fifth time appearing on the show yeah 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 actually that's true (laughs) really excited to have you back as always brother always great to to sit with you and talk and hear insight and wisdom and share insight and wisdom together yes yes i'm always happy to be here always uh i always enjoy our conversations it's uh it allows both of us to benefit from it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's kind of funny. If I, I was just thinking about this before you came on, just looking at the 
trajectory of our shows, we went from, you know, just martial arts and your story. And then we went into Bruce Lee episode. Then we went into the episode about, mm-hmm. um, you know, keeping your sword sharp and talking about your article, uh, the, the chapter you wrote in that shared book. And then mm-hmm. into masculinity, all things masculinity, toxic masculinity, things of that nature. Yeah, and yeah. We have a, an awesome kind of theme going just in general, and today's no difference, right? Uh, we, we were talking about heart health and uh, what we call HRV mm-hmm. and Zen and all these things and why it's important to monitor the new wave out there in fitness and wellness about looking at that heart health and exercise. But we'll get into all of that stuff. But just yeah, yeah. for my listeners, can you give them an update of uh, what you've been up to since our last episode? Yeah. So, uh, you know, again, Rolando Garcia third. you know, I've been in a health, fitness, wellness, um, almost two decades uh, of my life as a professional. Um, most recently as vice president of sales for a, a technology company. And, uh, and now going into that uh, technology space, it really gave me the opportunity to take away some really great key learnings. Um, so uh, having been in fitness and wellness, I'm also a martial arts instructor. Um, I'm a uh, Sifu in uh, Jeet Kune Do, Filipino martial arts uh, and that's in the uh, Inosanto, Paul Bunak, Armando Basulto lineage. I'm also a um, Filipino martial artist learning from my dad, who was a private student of the uh, Filipino master, Felicissimo Dizon. And currently, my passion right now is uh, the Japanese uh, Koryu art of Shinkageryu, and the lineage is uh, Shinkageryu Marobashikai, very classical and uh, very much infused with Zen. And a lot of my passion right now with regards to technology and as it relates even to my personal practice is how fitness technology, device wearables in particular, are now starting to delve into uh, recovery, right? So it's not just performance now, but how lifestyle tracking correlates to A, increased recovery, but how those device uh, wearables are now delving more specifically into HRV that now has broader implications outside of just physical health. We are now looking at the psychological health. So the psychophysiological connection, and this is the thing that absolutely blows my mind, is that this is, this is the uh, wheelhouse. This is like the focus of a lot of professional athletes. Also the focus of Zen. The focus of Zen has been mind-body, that the two are one. You cannot separate the two. This is the first time in human history where we now have device wearables, device wearables that can track a very specific um, biomarker, which is heart rate variability, or better known as HRV. So that's what I've been up to, something I've been um, kind of marrying and studying, not just in my own uh, professional development, but also in my personal development, both physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Yeah, that's awesome. And congrats on, um, you know, the the new studies. And I I think last time you were on, I don't know if we had mentioned it, but you had just gotten to the level of Sifu in in Jeet Kune Do. So congratulations on that as well. Thank, Thank you very much. It's a 
it's a very big responsibility. Uh, it's one thing to be a coach. It's another thing to be an instructor. It's another thing to be a sifu. That's a, a big responsibility. It's a, it's a privilege and an honor, but uh, I feel that I'm, I'm kind of like a, I'm early in my, uh, in my development as a sifu. Yeah, but awesome. I mean, yeah, thank you. Is, it, is there a better person? I don't think so. Oh, from, well. my, from, my, from my limited experience. <laughs> You're being very kind. Thank you. Yeah. Very nice words. Thank you. So yeah, HRV is definitely something I, I think, you know, we, we use it as a, a buzzword, but I do think it's something that's really important and all those aspects that you talk about. And it's something I do. I do biofeedback with, with clients and yeah. um, some like a big thing. I got trained in what's called heart math. Mm. And heart math really looks at how um, those four things that you had mentioned, the emotional, um, the mind, the physical, and then the spiritual, the spiritual all, yeah. all kind of come together. And uh, what they call it and what I, I term it and when I'm working with people is coherence, right? When there's balance between all, all of these parts of ourselves, it, you achieve what we call coherence and the way that we use the biofeedback and the way I used to be biofeedback to measure that is through heart rate variability. Yeah. And, you know, what that means, uh, I'll give my quick summation of what that means. And if you have a, a different uh, definition, let's throw that out there too, because I think it's awesome to kind of explore it, uh, is how the heart rate varies, right? And when you breathe in, it increases. And then when you breathe out, there's a decrease in the heart rate and then the variability between those two is really important to find that um, homeostasis of uh, connection, coherence, regulation. And so when we when we use those feedback, I, I have one that uses uh, graphs, so you can kind of see it through time, and it forms a sine wave. This just mm -hmm. nice even wave of you know there's ups and downs, but it's a nice even wave that kind of goes through it um, as opposed yep. to when you're dysregulated uh, it's not as smooth not as even and there's a lot of jagged peaks and valleys um, mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you plateau and get stuck high up there if, if there there is a lot of uh, dysregulation going on yeah i think you you use a very good word and again i'm not a medical professional so my understanding of how it is, is the heart rate variability. So you have a QRST wave. So when you see one of those ECGs, like uh, when, you're at a, when you're at a hospital and uh, they put those attachments on you for your heart, and then you see the screen and it goes, you know, it, does, it does one of those. That peak wave, so if I'm not mistaken, that's the S, that's the S peak when it peaks this way. And you're talking about regulation. Generally, if you're healthy, if you have general healthy heart health, the idea is that that wave is pretty even and those peaks, those peaks are also even. And the space between those peaks is the heart rate variability that's being measured. And again, right. somebody double check me on that because again, I'm not a medical professional, no, no, but right. from yeah. what I understand, it's the difference between the peaks. And to your point, when people experience stress, whether it's mechanical stress or physiological stress because you just did a CrossFit wad or you ran a half marathon right. uh, or dehydration, there's that. But then uh, you have other stressors that can impact you. And that's what we're here to talk about today 
I want to uh, mention this also. I have to give a bit of a shout out to a colleague of mine. His name is uh, Kyle Dobbs. He's on Instagram as Compound Performance, and he addressed this very recently. And I, this was the most explicit I've ever heard it put because he actually applied it. He said that the fitness industry right now is a little too preoccupied with looking at HRV as a measure of some form of performance or some sort of stress management. But I'm paraphrasing him here because I'm trying to remember the Instagram post. But when he, he had managed a uh, collegiate team uh, for strength and conditioning, and he found through the use of HRV that there were top three stressors that Im negatively impacted HRV. So peak HRV, if you're normal, it should be somewhere between 100 and 200. If you're somewhere between 100 and 200 is, uh, is good. Once you start going south of 60, okay, you, that's how you know you're, you're experiencing stress. Uh, but what he was finding was that there were three variables that tended to, based off of surveys, impacted HRV. And this is a collegiate team. There were three things. Partying, which is, of course, you're imbibing. So there's cellular stress due to alcohol. Also, lack of uh, sleep. So that's one. Uh, tests. So you're coming up for exams. So there's a performance anxiety around that. So anticipation of a future outcome that you're trying to manage in the present. And then the third one was relationships. So the interpersonal dynamics. So the kind of person that you bring in, what their vagal tone is compared to where, where your vagal tone is. If that partner is not bringing peace into your life and is kind of bringing you up in sympathetic tone, those are the three things that negatively impacted HRV. And that's when you and I, this whole new world opens up where now physical health is uh, your physical health is being managed by your health and fitness professionals through HRV, but also your mental health professionals. They're also now starting to manage HRV. So that's, that's kind of where we are. It's kind of an exciting time because we can now speak to both in terms of mind body. This isn't just purely physical. This isn't just purely mental. It is really mind body through the management of HRV. And, and the stuff out there is actually really, uh, what's being developed now is actually really fun too. Uh, I use, they have games for kids to kind of get to that coherence level of, mm. you know, regulating HRV and very simple games, but um, just matching breath tones, using breath to kind of do that. But then also I able, you see this biofeedback of you have to navigate, um, hot air balloon up into the sky and it only rises as as you reach closer and closer to coherence and so you know it, it, you have this real-time playback feedback that they don't need to know all the stuff we're talking about they're just saying oh i'm succeeding in this game but you're creating this pattern of um, imprinting this pattern in them of oh i can do this thing i'm going to do this thing for this game but then it kind of gets stuck in their brain and in their body to access it for regulation purposes it's really interesting That's, that is really interesting I'm, I'm curious to know more about matching breath tone could you be more specific about that because that, that's really curious yeah and so when you think about it so when you talk about um polyvagal theory which you were talking about vagal yeah. tone and, and things of that nature it connects to breathing for nervous system response as, as we've talked about briefly before on the podcast uh, you and i and 
the connection to sympathetic nervous sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system is, it correlates with your breath and the length of breath and intensity and um, the cadence of your breath, right? And so what they've found is that the inhale really ties to sympathetic nervous system response, which is fight or flight, energy regulation, yeah. like, you know, just watch any strong man before they pick something up, they have this intense in inhalation and exhalation to, to give themselves up for that. They're not taking slow, deep breathing to do that, uh, counteract it. And then the parasympathetic, which is rest and relaxation, that's actually split in two, but we can get, get into that later. There's a ventral vagal, which is connection, and then dorsal vagal, which is uh, kind of like depression, shutting down. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the exhale is really key for that. And so like a longer exhale um, regulates into a parasympathetic sympathetic state. And so when you're talking about dysregulation, and this is why if you watch HRV, also when you're exercising, it changes. Yep. You know, yeah, you're right. not looking for the same thing as you are for rest and relaxation for good HRV response. And so the breath in is tied to that. And also slow, slower, deeper breathing is tied to rest and relaxation. So you can actually see the HRV change based on breathing. And so that's how you work with a kid doing this feedback is, you know, some of the feedback you get them for that. It's like, okay, we want to slow down our breathing and kind of pay attention to that. They can make the correlation. Oh, when I do that, this hot air balloon or whatever game it is, there's a lot of them. Uh, starts to rise and do what I need to do. So I'm going to focus on that. You bring awareness to that. And then it's the more you do it and imprints on, you know, your neurobiology. And then you see kids doing it when they, they notice their breath is out of sync. I love, I love that, that uh, it's connected to breath because uh, my, my Shinkagiryu sensei, um, Shihan uh, Chiyoda Masami, he's also a, a Zen uh, teacher. He's a Zen teacher. Awesome. And uh, I have a background in Zen. My father uh, is a classically trained Soto sect um, Buddhist practitioner. So I grew up with that. Uh, he's an interest. Uh, his practice was very interesting because he's a, uh, my father is very cerebral. So he, he grew up at the time when Zen was popular among the intelligentsia, when you had Alan Watts, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. So it was more of an intellectual pursuit, right? But the, one of the core tenets of Zen is that the mind is actually, in many ways, the disease. You achieve uh, satori, samadhi, the state of enlightenment, actually through the body. So the posture is important, but the breath is important. So my sense is, I'm not sure what sect of Zen he is, but... The focus is actually a 10-second count on the exhale. So to your point about parasympathetic state, it's a 10-second count on the exhale and then a quick inhale. So like a one-second inhale. So there's a 10-to-1 ratio, parasympathetic to sympathetic. Right. And then from there, the only other instruction outside of the postural nature, the crown is aligned with the spine, which aligns with the perineum. Aside from that, the only other instruction as it relates to the mind is just observe, just observe. Don't follow your thoughts. 
Yeah, don't don't all of a sudden, oh, I had to wash dishes, then get up and wash the dishes. You know, just sit, right? Just sit. And that's where um, I myself have been um, experimenting with HRV as it relates to um, to my own meditation. It's really interesting because it tends to be on the higher side, which is a given. But then if I didn't get enough sleep, it, sleep still impacts that, right? right? Or if I had, I didn't have the best nutrition, the best hydration with the workout prior to it, that can negatively impact my HRV. So it brings me more to this conclusion more and more that to impact uh, mental, emotional, and spiritual balance, you still need to have a good hold of the physical, the body. And that was as clear as it got, like mind-body connection. But now we have that direct data that tells us it's HRV. It'll actually tell you. Yeah, it's pretty, I love everything that you're mentioning about that because in my own practice of meditation too, it is, you know, not fighting against the thoughts, just, just saying, okay, but I'm, I'm here, right? That, that mindful aspect of like, I'm not going to fight or try to regulate you. I'm just like, that's okay. We can deal with that later. Right? right now I'm focused on my breath and coming back to breath. And there's a lot of really cool stuff uh, that's out there on breathing. I just had a post not too long ago about just playing around with my heartbeat based on what breath cycling I was doing. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 You know, I had it at a, a resting heart rate of, I don't remember what it was. I think low sixties or something mm-hmm. like that. And in two minutes, I got it up to 105 just through intense breathing. Wow. And then in two minutes or two and a half minutes after that, I got it down to 58. Um, wow. Slow, deeper breath. Um, like we were talking about that exhale, really focusing on that exhale. And I don't recommend that, that huge adjustment to many people, but Very intense. In, you know, in, in terms of biofeedback, I had, you know, a heart rate monitor set up to me. And then I had uh, what I use from, from heart math as the biofeedback set up to my ear to monitor. Um, and you could see not only my heartbeat shift, but then you could see the HRV shift and how it was implemented on the graph of, yeah, it was, it was an okay kind of wave at the beginning. And then like just these jagged peaks and, and dysregulated aspects of it and not uniform. And then on the, the down part of it, re-regulated into that nice. Pattern. Yeah, I think that's where it, it's now we're in that phase industry and mental health, where now we're kind of um, moving towards where the path used to be this way, right? So you kind of segmented, this is for my mental health, this is for my physical health. Now they're kind of in parallel lanes and we also know when they cross, right? And I think that it's, it is important to start taking a look at HRV, continuous HRV specifically, because that's, um, there are wearables now that allow us, that actually allow us to say, hey, your HRV is here. You might want to take a rest day or two. So there's that piece to it. But it also allows us to reflect I had on, well, what were the lifestyle choices I made that also got us here? Again, to my colleague's uh, post, Kyle Dobbs, well, did it have anything to do with uh, cellular inflammation or lack of sleep or something to do with um, uh, kind of a uh, crucial conversation, interpersonal dynamic? Or is there some sort of anxiety that there's an event that's coming that you feel you're going to be judged? There's going to be a value placed upon your performance. And it opens up a whole slew of other conversations around what overall health is. And that's where I'm, I myself, not only in my own practice, but also in my own, in my own personal practice, but also in my own professional practice as I provide, um, 
you know, health and fitness services to some clients or to some students, the conversations are actually more intermarried nowadays. For example, there used to be a joke. There used to be a joke in Brazilian jiu-jitsu circles. Um, I remember a pretty high-level competitor say this uh, in a competition where he said, you know what will kill your Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, skills more than anything? And a bunch of us were there like, is it nutrition? Is it sleep, weightlifting, ego? I thought he was going to go there. He goes, now your girlfriend, the worst, just the, that's the, that's the one that's going to kill you. I didn't understand it at the time. I was very young. I thought what he meant was it makes you soft. A woman will make you soft. You won't have the killer instinct. And maybe that's what he meant. But in time, a lot of it has to do with the fact that interpersonal dynamics, and there's a lot of surveys that are coming out now that a lot of stresses do come from the interpersonal dynamics that come with uh, romantic relationships or even close intimate relationships. It doesn't even have to be um, romantic or sexual in right. any way. Yeah. But the fact that you have a relationship that for some reason, whether it's a communication style or the person is in a different place in their development, they start to create an environment that, and you hear this a lot, they can become toxic, right? And so now both of you maybe used to get along and now you don't, but that's all connected to how you're recovering and how your physical and emotional and spiritual health is. But HRV is a tracker now. So I'm wondering now how in the future, as wearables are more prevalent, now it's more prevalent than ever, how are the conversations and what are the what type of quality granular conversations are we going to have around HRV and how we then connect the dots as professionals, you and I, for instance, how we now connect it to these types of um, extraneous factors. You know, for example, yeah, you, you get into an argument with your partner, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. It's going to impact your workout the next day. It's going to impact your board meeting the next day. It used to be subjective. It used to be I just go to, you know, um, like if I get into an argument with, with my brother or get into an argument with anybody, I already know the next day I'm going to have a meeting. I'm going to have poor sleep. And the next day I know I'm not going to be on. It's subjective. But now we have a measurable, we have a biomarker. So I'm wondering now how that's, going to impact things? What are the broader implications of things uh, around that? Or worse yet, I have a bad uh, conversation with a colleague or a bad conversation with my boss, you know, someone I report to. So how does now that impact my HRV? But how does that now impact the work environment, the professional environment? So this is kind of a hot topic, I believe, in the next few years, uh, as this is more commercialized and how the conversations have broader implications throughout our entire lives. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think it's a big push from a lot of the wearables to, to incorporate that. However they do it, I, I think each one does it a little bit differently. Some of them do HRV from like zero to a hundred, yep. you know, um, and it gives you, you know, a data point and they say, past this point, you're good to go. They, that's green or that's good. And then below it's like yellow and then, even below and the interesting part about that is it, like you're saying is you can get continuous updates on that without yeah. having to look at it every time because i also there's there's a 
a really important part about that. You don't need to be monitoring this stuff all, all of the no, time you, because yeah. <laughs> it's it, you'll see it directly affect your anxiety of I got to check this. Where was I with this? You know. Um, yeah. But it is important to know, like bringing awareness to this stuff is always the first step of paying attention to, you know, when we talk about stages of change in, in mental health, there's these five stages that we talk about, which is pre-contemplative, contemplative, decision-making, action plan, mm -hmm. and maintenance. And that can go into whatever you're doing, you know, quitting cigarettes, uh, getting healthier, whatever it is you want to make a change in. And so like that awareness is how you go from stage one to stage two, from pre-contemplative to yeah. like, okay, now I should, I realize there's something going on. Maybe I should address it. Maybe you don't do that right away, but that is the very beginning of making a change. And I think people always undercut that because they feel like I need to be more active. So I always tell them, you need to understand what's going on before, before you can confront anything, before you can take an active step towards it you need to understand what's going on in your body or your mind or you know the whole package and i think that's the beauty about hrv because you can see oh okay I, i'm at 72 uh that means i got some good rest last night um you can see that change if you do a meditation which is really cool as well oh i was at yeah. 72 now i'm at 75 what oh the meditation must have helped regulate yeah. a little bit you can see a dip if you know you're staying up too late or you're not taking care of yourself not drinking water um so it's all very interesting idea of how how to kind of take this awareness to the next level and say oh okay well let me see what that might be related to not to get too nuanced and too into it but to to really say all right well i kind of slept bad and it reflects in what my hrv is right now okay so that means maybe i don't uh, forsake sleep to finish the last two episodes of Stranger Things. I can watch yeah. them tomorrow. Um, yeah. I had to have that talk because huge Stranger Things fan over here. <laughs> yeah, I know, no, it's it's uh, and it, this season is um is really captivating. You know, there's there's more of that horror aspect to it. So now you you want kind of want to know. I want, I do want. I love that you brought up the trans theoretical model because I'm a very big fan of that. It's um as it relates to behavior change because at the end of the day. Um, we, we don't, as, a, as health and fitness professionals, right, and as a Sifu, we can't, we can't be the ones impacting their behavior. They have to make that choice. They have to go through those five steps themselves. So all we can do is, you know, provide information, you know, maybe provide some sort of mirroring, some sort of data. But at the end of the day, my job is to raise your awareness, which I, I think it's really cool that you brought that up. I had a great conversation and I'm, I'm going to share the key takeaways I got from the conversation, but it was a key takeaway I got from a colleague of mine who is a clinical psychologist, but also uh, in sleep medicine, right? I don't have her permission to, I didn't ask her permission to give her name, but I'm not going to give it, but it, this is a clinical psychologist by training and a sleep medicine professional. There is conversation right now in the mental health space where there's poor sleep causing mental health issues. We, there's, there's no very clear, um, there, they, everybody knows there's a correlation. It's clear. Which causes it? What is the direct causation? There isn't anything clear on that yet. But clearly, uh, biofeedback, as in the old days, was the way to go. But HRV is an even clearer indicator of it. And nowadays, uh, like with uh, some products out there, you can now wear 
your wearable as you sleep. Yeah. And it will actually give you what your trend lines throughout. And it, I think that's uh, important data, but I think that that's where um, even the sleep medicine professionals are saying that, well, that can be, um, you can have some noise artifacts in there. It can be, it can just be uh, useless data if we're not careful. But at the end of the day, there is some conversation around how it's not, it's not necessarily as clear. There's a little bit of a, a chicken before the egg, but how do we now go into these conversations to raise the awareness? Your HRB, we can at least say, at least say, uh, can be optimal upon waking. But if it is not optimal upon waking, I'm going to raise to your awareness some of the behaviors that you can address to improve your sleep hygiene. Right? Your strangers things, uh, uh, you, you have to see it. Is there a way for you to see it at least two hours before you sleep, not 30 minutes before you sleep, right? right so yeah. at least we can, we can have those conversations around this to impact behavior change. But we, it's a conversation piece. It doesn't necessarily, it's our job is to empower the individual. And that's where I think uh, HRV is, a, is an important piece because end of day, the individual still has to make that choice uh, yeah. about what they plan to do. Yeah, and I think that's an important, there's a, a couple of things that really stuck out to me, what you were talking about, and reminding myself not to watch Stranger Things 30 minutes before bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's tough, it's tough. It is tough. It is. Um, but a couple of things that you mentioned that I think are really cool is that um, when we go back to that model of change, there's two things I always like to focus on with people. It's like, yeah, they, these are stages, right? And you can jump around between them and you can be in maintenance and it could be working and then it doesn't work and you go back to a different stage and you, you have to uh, figure out what mechanism didn't quite work the two that i always focus on are that going from contemplative to decision making yes and that motivation i use those two in sessions a lot and the first is that decision making is this overarching kind of decision this mm -hmm. idea of okay this is important enough for me, or I love myself enough to do this thing, to make this change, or I, I just want to do it because it, it's interesting to me. That's the big decision, but I use this analogy that it, it's like a multiple choice test. That bigger decision is made up of many smaller decisions to get there. Yes. And yeah. the trouble I, I see with people when they try to make that decision. And even myself in the past was, here's the decision. It has to be this. And then you fail at something. And you're <laughs> like, oh, well, I already failed. So I'm screwed. So let me go back to that contemplative or even pre-contemplative oh, out of my mind. I'm not going to make a change anymore. But the, multi, the multiple choice analogy I like using on the test is like, all right, if, if it's a 20, if it's a five part decision and you mess up once, you're at 80%, you're still good to go. Right. You, know, you make it even bigger, 100 questions, you mess up once, you're at 99. You still have room to keep going, right? And so this idea of it's not just this one huge overarching thing and you have to get it on the first go. It's all these smaller decisions like unplugging from Stranger Things 30 minutes before bed or drinking a lot of water, not drinking too much water before bed. So you get up and have to go pee at night. I'm getting older. That happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, 
you know, so like these smaller decisions kind of make that decision more tenable and more realistic. And then the second part, motivation, is like once you make that decision and all these smaller decisions, that's where motivation comes from. It's a byproduct of taking those steps. It's not like, well, I wish I was motivated to do this thing. It's like, no, you decide to do this thing. You make these small decisions. Motivation is, comes from that. You see, I love how you connect how you connect motivation to outcome and then there's process, you know, how you have the multiple choice piece because we do, especially in, in our professions, right? In that someone just all of a sudden just blasts in and just, that's it, I gotta lose all this weight. Or, that's it, I, I gotta do this scapular retraction thing. I'm just gonna walk around like this all day. Well, right, not, not, not quite. There's a process in place and that's where the real work comes in because in that process, to your point about multiple choice, the beauty of multiple choice is that it gives you a gradient, meaning you're 60% successful, 70%. How do we get you from 70 to 80, 80 to 90? Right. Exactly. But there's enough room for you to learn from mistakes because that's how we learn. We don't learn instant knowledge. We learn from mistakes and um it reminds me my 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 favorite uh zen master right now is uh dojin zenji he's been the guy i follow follow like he has an instagram account no he, he's, <laughs> he's from the 1100s no it's like he he wrote i, I think in the uh, i believe it was like the ninth century like way 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 back and he was talking about, so talk about process, right? Ready? So just like our clients, that's it. I'm ready to make a change. I'm ready to love myself. Okay, so what's the process? Uh, I'm ready to lose the 20 pounds. Okay, what's the process? And, but more importantly, how do we make sure that that process, so there's an internal decision, what are the executable tasks? Even the Zen monks had this problem. And had to follow the same formula. So according to Dojen, there was a very, very famous um, student-teacher pairing, Nanyue from China. Both of them are from China. Nanyue and Mazu. And before Mazu became like super enlightened and he became his own master, he'd been studying for decades under Nanyue. And Nanyue came up to him after one, one very intense meditation. And he felt his student was ready. So he goes to his student and says, how have your meditation been? And he said, they're quite good, Sifu. And then he says, why do you meditate? Why do you sit in posture? And he says, I want to be a Buddha. And Nanyue says, hmm. and what Nanyue does, he kind of just walks away for a second and he sees like this, um, this tile on, on the ground. And I guess it had fallen from the temple or something. So he picked it up. He kind of took the tile. He starts polishing it like this. And then Mazu looks at his Sifu and he goes, uh, Sifu, may I ask what you're doing? Oh, I'm polishing this tile. And he said, oh, why are you polishing the tile? Well, I want to polish it so it turns into a mirror. Then he says, uh, how is it possible that if you polish a tile and it becomes a mirror? And then he looks at his student, he says, how is it possible that you sit there in Zazen and all of a sudden one day become a Buddha? And then Mazu looks at him, he goes, 
I don't know. How, how, how do you? Because he, he all of a sudden just understood what he was getting at. So, well, wait, I thought that was the whole point. So how do you? How do you do that? And Nanyo looks at him, he goes, if you're driving a cart with your ox, and all of a sudden the ox stops in the middle of the road, and you jump out, which one do you whip? Do you whip the ox or do you whip the cart? And Mazu stayed silent. Meaning that it's one thing to have the intention. You have the right intention. Hey, I got to get this. I got to get to, I have to become uh, enlightened. That's the whole point of practice. I'm on this cart. I have to get this thing going. But if I'm not getting to where I want, if I'm not getting the ox to go, did I identify the right process to get me to where I need to go? Right? And that, that, part, that part even, this is the part I loved about the story because here I am reading it because it said in the story, Dojen said, and Mazu stayed silent. Even I stayed silent. I thought, wow, like a thousand years later, even me, I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. And I'm not even trying to be a Buddha. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay alive in the pandemic. Yeah. But it was, it was so astounding because it's the same thing that you pointed out. We're trying to connect an internal process and that desire for something, but we have to connect it to the right process. Because if we have the right process, we can then honor the process for what it is, rather than expecting that process to all of a sudden make us something that we're not. Oh, you think you're sitting there because you want to be a Buddha? You're on the you're in the wrong temple, pal. <laughs> you're on the wrong boat, right? And it's the same thing with polishing a tile. Hey, if you need a mirror, just go take a look at a mirror. And if you want to change your life, uh, if you think just retracting your shoulders and I'm just going to go balls to the wall or I'm going to go lose 15 or 20 pounds, you have to identify the right process, be committed to the process and make it just about the process. Then the outcome in and of itself, if you follow it honestly, is going to bear fruit. And I think this is where I have to tie it back to this. That's where HRB comes in because yeah. a lot of people think the process is go, go, go as hard as you can make it um make it instagrammable something that gets the external validation but that's not the process In instagramming it i mean i'm guilty of it i put myself on instagram you know i put my uh, content out there but i'm not putting my own content out there thinking that's how it's going to get me strong right. that's like me polishing the tile to turn it into a mirror no that's a different process altogether my process is am i in the right position did I breathe right? Did I eat right? Did I sleep right? Did I have a good conversation with my family? Did I have a good conversation with the people I love, the people who are close to my heart? Did I feel right with myself? Did I center myself? If I check off all of those processes, I don't need to be a Buddha. I don't need to be anybody. I just have to be me. Yeah. And, and I think the beauty about that is it's like it's so intrinsically motivated and simple in, in theory right it's a lot harder to get there but um you know it's something you can do it's hard yeah without too much external need right um besides connection and, and things of that that nature i think that the other thing that really st struck me about what you were saying is it's the right process but it's also like finding the right 
identifying thing. You were mentioning people coming in and talking about losing weight. And sometimes that is a good thing for a healthier lifestyle. Sometimes that's what they've been told to do. And it actually is other aspects of their life that would get them further paying attention to, and, you know, not just focused on weight loss, but getting stronger or functional, or even just like, well, you know, you're, you have high blood pressure, but you're consuming so much sodium. Like, let's start there and see how you adjust that and see how your HRV follows that. Right, right. It's like uh, saying, I want to be in shape, but you didn't make, you didn't commit to the process. And even something as simple as, well, it sounds like you need to sleep earlier, which means not so much uh, time on the internet or not so much time on Netflix. Can you even commit to that? And the key is when the disconnect between behavior and outcome, that's where people miss the mark. Just like when Nanyo has said, you're just as disconnected from your Zazen practice as Buddhism. That's as far apart as me polishing a tile and turning it into a mirror. Those are like two separate things. You want to be a Buddha now, you're a Buddha now, but that's not why you're sitting. You need a mirror now, go to a mirror, but that's not why you're polishing the tile. So if you want to lose weight now, that's what's motivating you is separate from your commitment to the process. Your commitment to the process has doesn't have as much to do with the outcome. It has more to do with self-love, having the honest conversations with yourself, having the right awareness about yourself. And that's where, you know, any sort of biomarker tracking is a tool to keep us honest, but we should not put more value on it than that. Because some people say, hey, I'm wearing a tracker, so Good to go. I'm, I am good to go. I have a high awareness. Listeners, you can see what he had his thumb up like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's like, well, not quite. It's just, that's, it's, it's one thing to take a look at, but where are you in that process and how much are you honoring it on a daily basis? And how is that process just keeping you honest? Even my, in my own, um, even in my own practice, I, this is the thing I'm so grateful for. And again, I have to reference my man, Dojin. Uh, Dojin said, you know, there's boundless joy in just sitting. In the boundless joy in sitting in Zazen. You, you don't need Satori. You don't need this enlightenment. There's boundless joy just in that. Just being right. part of that is, is important for us when it comes to HRV. Well, how come I'm not, if, if HRV is at the peak, 200, how come I'm not there? Well, let's, let's raise your awareness first to what your multiple choices are. And let's take a look at your compliance and let's take a look at your level of understanding and commitment and engagement. Then you can see that happen kind of on its own. Yeah. And that's where it's a very interesting and very empowering time if we allow it. Uh, there's a lot of commercialization, of course, but I think that if we see it as a tool for more process-oriented conversations, more honest conversations. I think it's a tremendous tool for it, but I don't think we should mistake a, the process of polishing a tile of turning it into a mirror. It's yeah. not, it's, it's, it's another tool. Yeah, and it, it, that was an important part I wanted to come back to with HRV is that it, it's great to see, it's great to check in on that, but you can do this stuff even without something to tell you what your HRV is. So some of the exactly. stuff that maybe people can take away from this is we've listed a couple things that affect it with sleep, sleep hygiene, you know, exercise, um, hydration, 
meditation, all those things are a good way. If you're feeling kind of dysregulated or you feel kind of off, you can check your HRV. You can wear an Apple watch. You can wear whoop or whatever works for you. But like you said, that's just a tool. That's not going to make these changes. So you can say, yeah. well, maybe my, even if I don't know what it is, I have some of these things that make me feel tired in the morning or make me feel run down. Maybe I can start incorporating some of this process into here. And maybe you check later, maybe you don't, but the outcome is generative regardless. And I love what you just said there, that it's, it's a tool, right? It's a tool. If it is not uh, embedded into a process that we hope, we as professionals hope, become uh, a way of life uh, as they say in Japanese do your way it's, this is just how you do things you uh, a way of doing things if it is not part of a process hey if you're just tracking your how you feel you don't even need the tool you just wake up in the morning oh, my neck is creaky okay you're gonna have kind of a bad day try try not to move around too much uh, but if you wake up and you're all full of pep if these technological tools will remain toys, shiny new objects, if the conversation is not shifted towards a process that is impactful for the individual. And a lot of that process now, at least uh, considering where health and, professional, uh, health and fitness professionals are, has to include uh, the psychophysiological and the conversations and the processes have to cover the psychophysiological. And that goes as far back as uh, the ancient warriors who felt that being spiritually, emotionally, and physically centered made them great warriors, just as much as today's uh, fitness enthusiasts need to feel that equilibrium, that Paris high vagal tone, but also being very physically ready. Uh, we just need to make sure that the conversation around the tool and the process around the tool, they're intermarried and it's part of a lifestyle. And just one more before we finish, one more interesting tidbit I, I want people to understand about how this all interrelates is that we often think of what we think with our, our brain, right? Um, as you know, I think we, we've talked about it before, but my personal philosophy is something I call the six minds of mental health, which is just our body is made up of all these different minds. Yeah, our mind is how you perceive things. So our hearts are mind, our fascists are mind, our guts are mind. You know, all these things, culture, um, all this stuff, nervous system, you know, and then your actual brain, those are, I think I did all six, but um, those are what I kind of key into. Okay, all these make sense. So we have to look at all these things. Um, the tidbit I always find super fascinating and that people may not really know is that your heart actually has neurons on it yes, and it has its own nervous system related to it. So it communicates to the brain and the nervous system. And just like your thoughts or your body reactions can affect, you know, different parts of your body or your mind or your brain, your heart can do that too. And that's why we're talking about HRV. It's super important in regulation of all these factors. I love that because um, on the, it's practical, but in many circles, it's considered philosophical. Takuan Soho, who's uh, the great Zen master who mentored uh, Yagyu Munenori, but also some say Miyamoto Musashi, in one of his, uh, in, in his book, he mentioned, uh, what is the name of the book? I think it's, uh, here it is. It's actually called, 
Fudochi Shimyo Roku, right? And he says that, you know, to get back to the original mind, you know, when you're really centered, really in Zazen, you have to be able to release the mind, meaning your heart has a mind, your central nervous system has a mind, your stomach has a mind. But what we think is the mind, our idea of it, that's the one we got to let go of. We think mind is brain. We think mind, we think up here. No, you got to get rid of that. And he says, once you get rid of that, then you become open to your point. He didn't say it in in his uh, writings, but what he's really saying is, okay, what is the mind of the heart? What is the mind of the stomach? Uh, But then what he was talking about in the book is, what is the mind of the spirit? So that was the focus. But he is talking exactly about what you're talking about is that your idea of mind is what's getting in the way of everything. Get rid of that. And once you get rid of that, now you're really connected. Now you're, now you're really in business. As always, brother, super awesome to have you on. Thanks for coming on again. And same here. Same here. I think, this stuff out there. I think we're, uh, this word is used a lot, but I really think that from techno, this piece of technology puts us at a precipice as professionals in managing not only our own, but our clients and students' uh, psychophysiological um, processes and how we can help them optimize that. Yeah, very succinctly said. Thank you again. And uh, we look forward to number six down the, yes. Down the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, my brother. Always enjoy talking with you, always. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at org. If you want to learn more about the Promethean Project or if you would like to donate to our cause, you can reach us at org. If you really do enjoy this podcast, please share with your friends like our posts on social media and instagram and on facebook and please leave us a review on apple podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to again thank you for taking a listen and remember that the most important step is always the next one